Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, welcome back to an athlete's journey. I am your host, Travis Hey. I have a very special guest, somebody who uh, I just re- met recently, but he's a really, really good person. We talked for like almost two hours the first time we met, uh, just about, about not only about sports, but just about everything that was going on with her. She's been really, you know, she's been really cool, and she, uh, you know, I'm happy for her to grace us with her presence. Um, she is doing big things, her podcast, which she'll tell, tell you about in a, you know, in a, in a minute during the show. Uh, is doing spectacular. She interviews CIA agents, which is, that's why I'm, I'm striving to get to that level, you know, where I'm interviewing former CIA agents and things of that nature. So, uh, like I said, I, I told her before, I appreciate you, appreciate her for so much for coming on the show. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I am Olivia Atkin. Thank you for that wonderful intro. <laughs> Let me tell you, those kind words, I did not pay for that. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, she did not. I, you know, those are just my my words. And like I said, I'm very appreciative person. And she's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying like one, her name, her first name is beautiful because it's my mother's name. So I will always know her and care about her just just from her name. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we'll we'll just get right into it, you know, because I know you're a busy person, Livia. Uh, how did your sports journey start? So for me, sports has always throughout my childhood or now into my professional life and where I sit now has always played a major role. Um, when I was young, I started swimming. I was born in the South in the summer, as I joke. Pool was part of our common time. Uh, if you're born in the South in August, you know the hundred degree normal weather. <laughs> you, you need to you need to be at least pool, sitting in a pool. Um, so from a very young age, I was in the pool. I became a swimmer. I at nine years old, I was training for the Junior Olympics. I was swimming in the 15 to 18 age group and winning my races. You know, I'm not that big now. I'm I'm five foot now. So when I was small, I was pretty small child. And I was competing against people who were like easily twice my height um, and winning the races. Unfortunately, when I was nine years old, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And without choice, because of what was known about epilepsy 20 years ago, and even what is known about it today, and the fear of what I had a rare form of epilepsy, but people didn't know that at the time. Um, So without choice, my swimming career got cut short, you know, Um, and Mm -hmm. then I went on to in high school, once my seizures, which for listeners who don't know what epilepsy is, it's when a shock wave, an electric wave to your brain hits many different things can happen. So it's actually one of the most common neurological diseases in the world. A lot of people go undiagnosed. So you can have what you see in the movies of that grand mal seizure, what's the shaking, the foaming at the mouth. You know, you can have seizures like that, or you can have a seizure where it's a staring event. You know, we all joke, oh, you're staring into space. Part of that came from people who 
are literally just having a seizure in the moment, but it's so small, you don't know. Um, but one of the big things is, is you don't know where you are. You have no control of your function. So as a swimmer in a body of water, it can be very problematic because yeah. you, typically you would drown. Um, so I actually, because I'd been training for so long, my body instinctively went into the aspect of treading water. You knew if you weren't swimming, you had to tread water. Um, but there were a lot of obstacles you had to jump through. And so it got cut short. I fast forward to my high school career. My epilepsy was fully under control. I was not having seizures. I was lucky enough. Some people never get to that point. Um, and so I decided to go back into diving because that was a different part of the body of water <laughs> and a different aspect and a different sports. But during that time, I was lucky enough to have a gym teacher who was also a coach for wrestling going into my freshman year. He said, you know, you can't play sports or, but like, you're so passionate about sports. Why don't you manage our wrestling team during my four years that transitioned into not just managing the wrestling team, but our baseball team, lacrosse team and football team. And I really found the passion of working with the guys, you know, helping the team with stats or all the different moving pieces. And then I also started diving in the summer where I ended up coaching and setting the state record and walking away from that myself at the top of my diving career at the end of my high school but mm -hmm. when I went into college I also was managing the Quimpiac University it has a D1 program they have D1 hockey programs for men and women so I ended up managing their D1 hockey programs for all four years and working with the Giants and I started working with them when I was in college um and so my sports journey throughout my career I worked for the Giants for six years I've managed athletes. I still manage athletes. No matter your age level or in your career, there's a lot of similarities I have seen. And I've also experienced mm -hmm. that even though I might not be playing that sport or have ever played that sport, never a pro football player. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> that was not me. Um, but I have experienced things like a sport ending you know, your sport ending, not of choice, but for you. I've, and I've died, and I've gotten it from the other aspect. You're at the top of your game and you decide to walk away and how do you transition and move past it? So that's the longer story of my sports journey. No, no, definitely. Look, I think, and this is what athletes really don't know about 90, let's just say 90%, 90 to 95% of athletes leave the sport by not by their choice mm -hmm. uh there there's the rare five percent they're the anomalies and not the norm to where they want they leave on their own like okay i'm a go I'm not saying even leave you don't even have to talk about leaving like a champion i'm just saying mm -hmm. leave the sport like they could have had like three three four more years and you know and decided to hang it up there's very few guys like that most guys want to play still but they can't you know they leave you know because they, they, they can't play in the like say if an NBA guy can't play in the NBA, he doesn't want to go overseas, you know, or he doesn't want to go to, you know, China or Japan or whatever. They so they just stop and start coaching. I had a lot of friends, you know, growing up like that, you know, who wanted to keep playing, 
but didn't get the money they wanted or whatever the case is. I'm one of them too. I mean, I wanted to keep playing, but the money was just, I was getting off and I was like, I'm going to just hang it up and just be, and just be around my son more, you know, because it just, I didn't want to be a, a professional athlete just for the sake of being a professional athlete. I wanted to have something to where I'm building something. And when you start over at an older age, you know, as far as like I was, when I retired, I was 33. Um, but I had to start over because I got injured and missed a year, you know, so yeah. But anyway, um, so obviously, you know, I'm going to refer back to some things, what you were saying before, uh, about your high school, you know, uh, career and the fact that you even came back, that is an outstanding moment in itself. So I want to know what was your most memorable moment in high school? Was it the fact that you, your first dive when you dove, dove back into the pool and kind of started that and said, I'm going to leave on my own terms? So when I decided to leave, there were a few things that went into play. I'd been, again, it was my senior year. So I'd already been diving for four years. I was coaching. I coached our team. So my own team that I was diving for, I was the coach for. Um, oh, okay. So nobody questioned what you did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, granted by that point, I've been diving for four years. So, you know, I, I knew my dives um, and I knew how to train. And one thing when I was coaching, as I was a teammate, it puts different perspectives in it. You know, we had a assistant coach that was wonderful and she was not a part of our team and she had pl done diving in college and everything like that. So she brought a different perspective and she was able to help me um, from the coaching side, but also with my own dives because she had done it at that level. But it also brings into play a unique perspective with your teammates, right? You're the coach. They have to, you know, you want the respect. You're in a leadership position, so you have to lead by example. You also have to take into account how each individual diver is, you know, what motivates them? How do they react to reward systems? You know, are they the person that needs to be recognized in front of the whole team during practice? Or do you need to do something private with them? And, you know, all those things. So I'd been in those two capacities, and I, before being at the head coach I was the assistant coach um so when I decided to hang it up I had finished I'd set this st the state record um we'd finished the season and there was a very I was already having the conversation of do you want to come back and dot and coach next year um the team it's it was a summer team that I was coaching so you only perform from June to end of August, they, the club had already been like, do you want to come back? The For diving, unless you go to college, you age out at 18. So oh. they don't compete past 18. So wow. I had two choices. Yeah, so I had two choices. Do you stay and go up to a college level? And now you're looking at schools that have to have diving clubs, right? Which not a lot of universities have diving organizations well, or the west coast california do yeah. ucla do <laughs> they do they do um but it was do i go to a school i love because of the academic side and participate in sports which i've been doing before 
in a different setting um, and not have to say goodbye to the sports area, just do it in a different setting? Or do I go to a school that I can be a walk-on? Because it was already too late, right? We were already go. you were going to be going into your freshman year. Ah, okay, okay. So I made the decision of, I just accomplished something and broke a record in something that no one can take away from me. This was, you know, I hold the record. Now people have to try to perform to my level. Um, I was making an impact with the other divers. And I was like, this was my moment. And I also knew my own self well enough that, I was probably going to be in a different space a year from then. Mm. So even if I walked back and was a coach a year from then, I would have had a bad, like a very different experience in college. And I might be at a very mentally different place mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be able to provide my divers the same, you know, thought process or access or whatever it might be. So I decided it was after that and I what that championship dive me and I was told I made the state record and it went on that website immediately and I was like, we're good. This is yeah. it. Okay. Okay. This it. This is it because I also knew if I even came back as a coach at that point and I've been approached many times of like, hey, can you run like even this past year? Can you run our summer program? And I'm like, no, because. Even now, like I joke, I just went to my club a few weeks ago with one of my former divers and I was mm -hmm. coaching him. He's now 19 and going to Widener University. Um, and he was, he brought me up and we were doing dives and everything. And he's like, get up on that three meter board, Let's, which is the, for the listeners who don't know, that's a really tall board right that you see in the olympics that's the really tall the tall one um and i'm sitting there and i'm like i will do a regular dive off this i mean i used to do flips inwards which is when you jump backwards and dive forward towards the board and i'm like i'm too old for this i haven't done this in like six years you think i'm gonna just like throw this <laughs> I, I don't even i and the pressure in diving too, which you might see if people watch it in the Olympics, you hit the water wrong, oh. you you can really damage yourself. Um, you can get, you know, I practiced with my divers in like the scuba suits. If they were learning a new dive, even off the small board or off the side of the pool, because you hit that wrong and that makes an impact. And I've, I've done tricks off the tall board where I've hit wrong and someone and I'm in the scuba suit and they're like, your back's going to be all bruised. Like we have to try to massage this out now. So you don't bruise up. Um, so I was like, I'm, a, I'm old now. I'm about to hurt myself. <laughs> um, I'm not doing it. And then you sit back too. And we probably have all had these realizations, whether it's in sports or whatever and in life, you sit back and go, wow, I was crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm deeper. Um, you know, you grow up and your fear factor changes and this and that, and you're like, that's not smart. I can tell you that's not the smart move to do. Um, but even when I was there a few weeks ago, and, and I'll wrap it up with this, and I was telling him, and he was doing these dives, and I'm like, you gotta twist a little more. You got, you know, that was great, but you held it for a little too long. Um, 
the, I saw this girl at the side of the pool who she had done, she'd gone up to the board and I'm just sitting there watching and I, I see her and mind you, I haven't been back to this club. I go maybe once a year. They don't know, it, it has had turnover. They don't know who I am. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this 10 year old girl get up on the low board going like she's just going to do a dive off the board freak herself out right before she does it and instead of falling forward and diving in she ends up midair just like straightening herself out because she was scared okay and finally i'm watching her do it like three times and finally i go are you trying to do a dive and she goes yeah i'm just i just want to do a regular dive but i'm scared and i said can i help you and she like looked at me like I got three heads. Like, who are you? <laughs> um, and and also we live in a day and age like yeah, strangers, yeah. strangers, stranger um, danger, yeah, right. Yeah. Which like good for her mother teaching her that, um, and father. But and she reluctantly said yes. And I'm trying to tell her and give her the tips from the side of the pool. And we get to a point where I look up at the lifeguard who I didn't know at the time knew who I was. And I said to her, because now this lifeguard's 16, 17 years old. And I say to the guard, listen, can I get on the board with her? I used to be the dive coach here. I hold the state record. I very much, like, I will not go in that water. I'm just going to help her body so she doesn't freak out. Like, and the lifeguard looked at me and was like, yep, you're good. Like, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Do not worry. Um, And I got on the board and three tries in that girl's doing a dive and she the excitement on her face of like it wasn't the perfect or the prettiest dive but she accomplished her goal right and she was like she ran up to her parents and was like oh my god look what i can do and that was the most rewarding thing but the irony in it too was what i didn't realize until that guard got off that lifeguard stand 20 minutes later was that was actually one of my youngest divers when i was a coach so that girl, um, she was one of the youngest divers we had had. She was five years old when she started. She couldn't swim a full lap, but she wanted to just learn. And for safety reasons, her parents just wanted her to learn how to jump in the pool properly, dive in. So I would sit in practices and tread right in front of the, the um, diving board for mm -hmm. 30 minutes. As she would jump off and I would grab her and pull her to the side and make sure she got their safety. And I didn't recognize her. It's been so, it's been 10 years since I stopped coaching. And like I said, when she stopped, she was seven or eight years old. And now she's 17, 18 years old now. Um, and she got off and she goes, you don't know who I am. And I said, no. mind you, I, she never even said her name. Right. And I said, no and she goes <laughs> and we used to call her miss meg i used to call oh, her miss no. megan because she was like so cute and she was so young and she'd walk around and be like i'm miss megan um so i gave her the nickname of like miss megan that's when she was on my team all she did and she goes i'm miss megan and she goes you know when you got on that board i remembered the impact you made in me the confidence you instilled in me to do all these things and and that's why I became a guard. And I was like, I never even knew that. Because I ne we didn't stay in contact. I didn't know the impact I had. So I also try to tell people, it's not 
whether you choose to leave, whether whatever you do in life, you never know how that moment is impacting someone else and how their trajectory might change or how they might feel about themselves because you did something that was a normal thing for you. Um, but it was that little thing to them that was actually super big. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think for, for me, it's the same thing, like treat people the way you want to be treated because you just never know what yeah. your interaction with somebody can change your life. You know, so if you come in contact with somebody and you're at you're mad at something else, just be humble, be happy, you know, be grateful. And then maybe that contact with somebody will turn into something that you never thought, you know. And mm -hmm. so, like, yeah, I, I think that's a great story for you to tell. Now, obviously, you're in college, right? You move on from high school. You have a state record, which is big. Come back from what you mm -hmm. came back from. Congratulations on that. So, you're in college and you're, you know, obviously you're managing different multiple sports. And you're going to school to try to get your degree. Mm -hmm. uh, how difficult, how difficult was it a task to be a manager because we kind of talked about it, obviously, off air and mm -hmm. how some of the players were very, you know, agreeable and listened to you and some didn't. Mm -hmm. And when they saw you be successful to the next level, which we'll get into in a little bit, um, you know, they were like, oh, my God, she's this now. But while you were in college, how did you, you know, maintain doing both sports and going to school and doing all that? So for me, it, it was very much a juggling act. Um, because as any athlete or anyone involved in high performance, there's time commitments, yes. you know, as a manager, even though I wasn't playing and I never played hockey and in my undergrad, those are the two teams I managed was, um, the men's and women's hockey program. And not only was it one team, it was two, which meant every practice that they were at for men's and women's, I had to be at. So Think of it as your own college experience, right? As an athlete, you have your practices, um, your your games that you have to be at the pre, you know, film or whatever it might be. I had to be at double that. And then I had to be at office hours. So there was stuff not during practice that needed to be taken care of. There was stuff not during a game that we had to take, you know, travel plans. Um, if there was some event going on during the game, planning that out. Um, meals. So post-game meals. I was in charge of getting the food and bringing it to the locker rooms when we had a home game. Um, so, and I also was the student that had a major and two minors all in separate schools within the university. So I had to take extra classes. Mm -hmm. So I was taking seven classes um, or more a semester. And mm -hmm. so, and I was in Greek life. So like- <laughs> <laughs> the hard part in that, and I'm not trying to bust my own horn here. I'm just trying to paint the picture. The hard part, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hard part in that is it's really a juggling act. You can't get. You want to give a hundred percent to everything, but you can't because there's only a hundred percent. Um. So there were times I felt like I didn't belong in certain settings. Right. I couldn't commit because of games and as we said the next level which we will discuss later on I couldn't go to every sorority event I couldn't go to even the chapter meetings or you know 
or I, and I wasn't even around that when they weren't having these events, I could just hang out in someone's dorm room because I either had classes or practice or, you know, whatever it might be. So I didn't feel like I fully belonged there Mm -hmm. because I didn't have that family feel that a lot of other girls get. Um, I was working in a sport that I never personally played and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, people saw that they were like, you know, especially the guys more than the women, the guys team, some of them were like, you don't play, you're here, you're managing, but you don't understand. You don't understand what it's like. Um, And there was, I'm, you know, we talk about these experiences and that's what they are experiences, but I always try to stay humble. And like you said, it's that act of kindness, that understanding. And from my own experiences, I very much knew that you can be the big bad wolf, you know, the one with <laughs> the biggest bark in the room, Right. but you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And you never know when that curtain can be closed on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tried to keep that in my mind. Um, when dealing with sports is, I don't know if the athlete I'm dealing with today for, could get injured tonight at the game and might not be able to play. Um, mm-hmm. but because I had all these other things going on, I wasn't even fully able to be with them. And they didn't think I was, you know, especially sometimes the guys team, just because you're a woman and they're guys like you don't get it. Um, and so I think for managers across the board, um, when they're managing a team, sadly enough, there is that wall of yes. like, we're playing, you're not, you don't understand it. When in reality, a lot of them do because they're seeing it from a different perspective. Um, and some of them had been athletes before, so they very much get the environment, but mm-hmm. it is that disconnect. Um, so for me, it was very challenging. And then I had the added layer of working pro sports while in college so I was managing this team and for two out of my four years managing this these teams I was also getting done a game in the next morning going to MetLife Stadium and working a home Giants game and working you know working with the athletes directly on a pro level that I never went back to the stadium and when you know, one of the guys would ignore me or something like that, or just be like, oh, you don't, you know, whatever it might be. I didn't, I never once said, you do realize, like, I know Eli Manning. I know Odell. Like, you know, like, those are the guys who are calling me, asking me questions um, when I'm not here. Um, But it is funny. And I always say that from, from my own experiences, I know the guys who are going to go far in their careers, whether it's pro or when they transition out, on how they act towards everyone else. When you sit back and you watch the guys that open the door for the jet, you know, anyone they see, you know, talk to the janitor staff, um, the janitorial staff for either their college team or their high school team or a pro team. I very much say those are the guys that are going to go far. Because more organizations now look at the culture than some way you might play because Mm -hmm. they understand they can groom you to some extent too now. Um, But they also don't want a level of 
I'm better than everyone else as well. Um, so it was a very interesting time. And I want to really, you know, when I talk about these experiences, that's what they are. They are my experiences. Other people can have different experiences. But I try to keep in mind that just, you know, a lot of managers are out there or people who support teams that really don't have the voice to speak about some of the experiences they had. Mm. Well, no, like I said, I, that's what, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on, not to spread any, you know, say any deep secrets or whatever. <laughs> you can if you want. No, I'm just playing. But uh, just to, uh, just to, you know, for other athletes to hear, like, you know, from the other side, look, I always was taught from my father to treat everybody the way you want to be treated. So I never disrespected our managers. I never disrespected, um, you know, people who, like, because they can – make or ruin your day at points, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, at UCLA, we had like, I don't know, maybe six or seven managers. I felt like we had a lot of them, you know? And some of them that, you know, didn't get to travel or do those certain things to get on the court. So, like, I always wanted to give them shout-outs. So, you know, when I would when I would play, I would give them, you know, like some shorts or a pair of shoes or something, you know, just and because. It, just because. And- and you touched on that a little bit. I think people sometimes forget, in general, the power of connection mm. and the power of networking and all this stuff. You know, you joke, and I laughed at it because there were times, you know, I was in charge of all the food and how fast the food got delivered, you know, um, you know, as I'm setting it up, right? Um, and getting the place at and putting the place at each table. And there were the guys that, you know, there was a player and I've referenced him on multiple my, or a few of my own podcasts. Um, and we still talk to this day, who was a player when I played, Mm -hmm. um, and he, anytime the food would come and they were already in the locker room because food, you know, got delayed being delivered to the arena. Um, or I had to make two trips. He'd be the first to get up off of his seat, come over and be like, hey, how can I help? Like, can I put these while you're setting this up? Can I put the trays out for you? Or what order do you want these in? I'll I'll lift them up so you can just unwrap them. Um, Because like sometimes, let's be honest, I weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. So like sometimes this food... I mean, I'm pretty strong, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, But you know, he was the first to always get up or be like, guys, help her out. Um, And to this day, we've stayed in contact. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But he was always the first. Like, he needed something. You tell me how high I have to jump and I'll jump and you'll get it right now. Um, He, he, I took a lot of the same classes as a lot of our guys. Um, So, and with my work ethic, some of the guys be like, hey, can you help me study with this? Or can you talk to my professor? Because I was a lot very close with a lot of the professors and the president of our university um, just through different things I was doing on campus. And so I would always advocate for them and be like, oh yeah, you know, this or that. But that player, pure example, I'd get a text at 11 o'clock and night before a test. Hey, I'm really not clicking on this. Can we meet up in the morning and you review with me for an hour? I, my days are super long, but I text back immediately being like, okay, you got it. You want to do, I could do six or 7 a.m. 
I'm booked after that. Can you do it? Let we'll do it. Or if you want to walk with me as we're doing something, I'll I'll squeeze you in. The other guys, you know, some of them might be like, I, yeah, if you want to walk with me, but I'm not bending over backwards. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you're not going out of your way to mm-hmm. help me. I get that, and I respect that too. I think, um, you know, like I said, like. If you treat people good, they'll treat you good. So, like I said, I'm, you know, like you, I'm gonna always treat you good anyway. Now, Olivia, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. And the fact that you went from, you know, obviously college, and it was doing professional. So, like, not even that. Like you're you're doing your obviously your your hockey teams, your men and women's, but you're also doing, you know, the New York Giants. You know, and like you said, Eli Manning and Odell Beckham, and these guys are mega superstars and you know you just you know you're you're torn so many ways and my my next question for you is this like obviously you were on the successful path to being successful uh of what you were doing you know in in college and like you said like knowing the professors knowing the president who knows the president you know what i'm saying like the school so um not too many people so my question for you is like, did you know, to get to where you are now, did you know that you were going to be as successful as you were, or did you just figure, you know what? I got, I kind of not say back my way into it, but luckily, you know. I think a few things played out. I think as someone who very much understood at a young age due to my own experience, you're not going to be given something. Um, you got to bust your butt and if, and people are going to say things about you that aren't true, mm-hmm. right? They're, we all have biases. We're all going to think things. So I very much understood from a young level, if I want something, I better work my butt off and just get it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you tell, and as I grew in different areas, I was lucky enough to as I was going through high school and some of the boys would make jokes or like whatever um because up up until you get into high school you don't really have managers for Mm. your teams um and some high school teams don't but um so you know you're at that age but I had guys support what I was doing so from that age I understood that someone will have my back they're going to see it not everyone will and you know some guys are going to test it how are you going to react in that moment and hold strong but also oh wow you know the first time I had conflict with a player I remember it greatly uh we got done a wrestling match and you know he was trying to be the tough guy on the bus and I had to collect all the singlets if you ever wrestled, you know how dirty and disgusting those singlets can be after a match. Um, Is that so, for the head? Is that the headgear? No, that's their bodysuit they wear. Oh. Yeah, right? So you don't want to be, it's smelly. Yeah. Uh, they've sweat in it. You, yeah, and so yeah. uh, we would collect it in trash bags for the school to then wash. So as they get off the bus, because we, we all know program-wise, there's not money flowing everywhere. You got to make sure people return so they put it and one night we got home from a match the seniors who were were also the captains back of the bus the younger kids you know obviously jv they're all in the front of the bus Mm -hmm. i'm sitting in the front with the coaching staff the head coach gets off the bus i start collecting singlets in the bag um in the trash bag that was right next to my seat of like hey when you walk off the bus 
give the singlet. Um, one of the guys thought it'd be really funny to just throw it at me. And just like, mm. oh yeah, you'll catch like you'll catch it, you'll take care of it. And I stood there and I took it and then said, obviously it hit the ground, and I immediately being myself, being like, pick it up. <laughs> and as I'm saying that from the back of the bus, you get the captain running down the bus and the kid gets off the bus before the captain um could get to him um we all get off the bus and the captain and that fire get into a screaming match right in front of the bus and it wasn't it was the captain saying you are so disrespectful get in line have respect for someone who's working hard like it was a whole thing and it really set the tone that you have to treat people this is not how our team runs you have to be respectful but it was also the first time that I had to show that like you're not going to push me around in a sporting environment also like I knew that was going to set the tone but I was also lucky enough that there were other people who saw the value in me. And as my career grow, I consistently, that was the first example, but I consistently had that. Um, And so I was lucky enough to surround myself and have people who understood that you have to support each other and build mm-hmm. each other up um, and, you know, teach instead of discipline. But I think part of it too was very much that I was like, you're going to tell me no. Now watch me double down and show you that. Like, And I joke about it, you know, even to this day. Um, I remember when I started at the Giants, a lot of people don't realize um, and the misconception being so young and working for the New York Giants was that I knew someone. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I was going from my sophomore year into my junior year in college mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and working pro. And so I remember my first day and they, I, someone came up to me and they said, so who did you know that you got this job? And I said, no, one. <laughs> um, no one. I actually found Jerry Reese's email address online. Oh. I did a deep dive. I, I really, the, interesting enough, the way I got my giant's position and we talk about, you know, never underestimate the people you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. where you connect with, how they can help you down the line. Um, I really just wanted to learn about the industry. So I wanted to do an informational interview Mm -hmm. and I knew I wanted to go into football potentially and work in football. And I said, I really respect the New York Giants organization. I really, I done research. I really see how ownership front office, like everyone really builds each other up. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to contact them and I'm just going to get an informational interview. And I ended up finding Mr. Reese's figuring out, I should really say, I figured it out because if you go on any of these websites, no one ever lists the athlete's email address or front office email address. And they barely even list names sometimes because they don't want you finding these people and contacting them. Um, And so I ended up finding it, reaching out to him. It was actually the end of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I I get an email back from his assistant going, it's the week before the draft. He's not talking to you. <laughs> like, are you out of your mind? Um, and I said to her, 
totally understand it was this is I just want to sit down learn like just informational and I kept in contact with her Mm -hmm. um and me and her just kept going back and forth to the point where she was like you know what I'm gonna have you reach out to Charles Way and one day Charles Way I was in between classes I went back to my dorm room and Charles I get a phone call and it's the East Rutherford area code but you know we all get those phone calls and you're like oh I don't know this number I'm not answering and I said I'm gonna pick this up I was about to lay down for a nap too so I was like I'm tired um what is it and I pick up the phone thinking it's gonna be some scammer you know some spad and um he was like hi this is Charles Way you know been talking to this individual I'm giving you a call to you know do that informational interview for 20 minutes and like help you by the end of it he said you know we don't take interns that are your age or this or that and by the end of it he was like why don't you send me over your resume and your um business card like your information kept in contact with him kept in contact you know with different people within the organization fast forward six months and I built up relationships with certain people and that same assistant that I'd been talking to and networking with, with for almost a year now um, came to me and she said, why don't you do another informational interview? I know some people that are currently looking for interns, maybe something will come from it. Okay. Um, And they tested me because one of those people she listed and gave a reference for me to do said, I will, I will have an informational interview with you, but that's all it is. We don't, I, my internship, my intern is filled, this and that. We don't take people your age. He tested me because he brought me in and I said, you just tell me the date and time I'll be at that location. Um, And he brought me into the front office at, during lunchtime. And he mm. had me sit in the cafeteria with all of ownership all of the players, because at the New York Giants, everyone eats, at, which is an amazing thing. They all eat at the same time and they all eat together. So you're oh. sitting in a room with Eli, the mayors, everyone. And I'm I, I'm sitting there answering his questions, having a conversation. You know, Eli's walking by my table. Mr. Mayor's walking by the table. And he gets done with me and he goes, you, did, you didn't flinch. He said, no, they're all people. I'm, they're human beings. And he goes you know what? I know a department that hasn't filled their internship spot yet. I'm going to send, I'm going to give your stuff to them. I think, and it was actually player engagement that David Tyree, who played for the Giants, had just taken over. And oh, I mean, he's probably going to be an all-time Giants person, what he did yeah. in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up having a meeting with him. Um, They ended up giving me the internship spot. I beat out everyone else who had college degrees for it and I worked I worked that summer and then because of my different experiences um and degrees that I was getting I was able to work in the HR department I was able to get experience in legal in PR and it kind of just grew because I had the versatility that you can put me in different roles and I'm able Mm -hmm. to do that Mm -hmm. um but I always say like look at that experience as a pure example of it might not happen today, but the door can open at any point. And then I ended up working for them for six years. Some of those athletes um, I managed. Some of those athletes are 
NFL alumni. I've become very close with people who've played because we all have had similar experiences. But mm. you also see in that in once you go to a pro level, you very much see a different level of respect for mm. everyone in the organization. They're like, we know it. But circling back, I know I'm probably going on a ramp, but circling back to what it was like then going pro, it was, you know, you felt that yes, you made it like probably all the athletes feel you made it to that highest level, but that also feeling of community that people understand what you had to do to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that spot and that respect level that goes across the board. But it was also very interesting because I was in that space while also co doing college athletics. So I was seeing it at different levels. And a lot of the guys that, you know, I managed not college never knew that after a game when we played, um, when they had two games back to back of Friday night, Saturday night, that I would leave that game and then drive four hours home to then go work a pro game all day the next day. Or that, you know, sometimes in the middle of a practice, when I accident, when I was doing game film and you hear in the background, the phone ringing is because one of the players from the Giants is calling me with a question about, hey, what's going on with this schedule or my relocation package or things like that. Um, so it was a very interesting experience as well. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, the fact that, like I said, you saw two different sides of the spectrum in the middle of it. You know, you usually go from one to the other, but you were doing both at the same time, which I've never heard of that. I've never heard of anybody being, you know, doing the Giants and then doing a college team. And, and not only that, you're doing the football then hockey men and women. Like, it's just a, such a contrast. And, I'm thinking, yeah, it's crazy. And I will tell you, there will be times, and you're the first one I'm saying this to, so I'm going to say your, your listeners are getting some some inside scoop here, that, like, I'd be going from, you know, hockey terminology to football terminology. You're going from, you know, PR and working with, you know, because I on game days for the Giants, I would do their PR department. So having to deal with press releases, having to transcribe, having to, you know, pulling guys for interviews or making sure things are set or being on the field and having to be like, okay, this game lasts this many minutes. Cause in college hockey, it's very different. You know, you have um, the time of each, you know, period and things like that. They all change how long each thing is, how, you know, you talk, you have pucks in hockey and you're looking like, I would also film games at or take stats. And there'd be times I would literally come back from, especially like after winter break, cause you're ending the football season. And when I was home, I would be up there regularly. So you get into the motion of just football terms and then you come back and you gotta be, you're still hockey doing hockey yeah, 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 and yeah. And I'm doing stats and I'm like, that means what? <laughs> I'm like, I'd have to sit there and be like, wait, or I'd be talking and I'd be like quarters versus periods. And I'd say, so, and someone's like, you manage the team and you don't, I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, when you're doing two different things, you're 
like you said, the mindset is like, you know, that's an offside. That's an offside penalty. That's this, whatever. And that's, I don't know what hockey is, like an onside shift or yeah. a shift of this or penalty time. You'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I would I would confuse the two, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I go lie. Mm-hmm. But, okay, now I got a question for you. So you're doing, obviously, you worked for the Giants for six years. So you graduated from college, right? Mm-hmm. And you continue to work for the Giants. So what happens after the Giants? So um, when I decided we were doing games and part of it too is like only so many people can work a game and get that opportunity. And I knew that. And I was waiting for a spot, a full-time position to open up at the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could only have so many full-time employees. Yeah, so of course. I was, I was working part-time and working I was running an adult sports league in the state of New Jersey and working part-time with some other teams and other players doing other things because I respected it I understood I've been in the org and they were like you just we were just waiting for someone to leave and because of my experience I they could really just anyone who left I could fit in the right, shoes right. um and but it finally got to a point and I'm gonna say this as like I was getting 27 years old. You got to have your own health insurance. Yeah. Working full yeah. time, you don't get part time. You don't get your health, own health insurance. <laughs> right. Right. And so right. we, and I was getting close to that age and football season was starting up and there was still no full-time positions available within the team. I'd been approached by a few other teams, um, not for roles that I was willing to leave the giants. I'm very loyal. I will, the ownership at the giants, how they have, it's just next level. I will ultimately always respect. I got to know Mr. Mayor well um, and the front office. And they are a different breed of just niceness, accountability, growth. Like, I will always respect that organization and give praise to what they're doing. Um, so there were other organizations. Um, the Miami Dolphins called me up and were like, listen, you want to do ticket sales? It was like... I don't want to relocate and I don't want to relocate to do ticket sales. Um, And so it was those decisions that I knew I was going to be comfortable with because I had already learned that and didn't want to do it. And I was in a different spot that I decided to go back to school. Um, Mm. I decided I was managing athletes and I was still, you know, doing that. And I was like, I can manage the athletes on some of their nonprofit or ideas that they have. Like I'd, one of my players who was playing, he played for the Giants, went to the Texans, and was, but he started a clothing line. So I helped him with build up his clothing line. Um, so there were things I was doing with my players where I didn't need to be associated with this a specific team, mm. and I was able to go and learn at the same time. So I decided to go back to school and leave the Giants, knowing that door was probably going to always then be shut. Um, to come back and work with them. And that was in 2019. And coincidentally enough, we all know what happened in spring of 2020 with COVID and it really shot all of sports. But it was also the space that I knew I'd done so much and had so many experiences at such a young age that a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't get to experience. And I was also opening the door for the next person after me to come and have that learning experience and that growth and those opportunities. Um, And when I went back, 
coincidentally still talking about sports here because I have, I went back to my alma mater, Quimpiac University. And because I managed two sports teams, then went pro and managed them from a pro level. When I came back, I became the, because I was in school, the grad assistant for overseeing SAC, with, which is the Student Athletic Advisory Council, which I oversaw every single sports team mm. that we had. So now it's not just holding one team accountable for their academics, making sure they're in their right classes, they're doing their community service, they're, you know, showing up to their games and practices and all that. 21 teams. Wow. You're over, I'm overseeing. Every weekend I was at multiple games or, you know, whatever it might be, but it gives you that different perspective. And I think from there and talking with athletes, and really then I've now seen it at that point, right? At where I was a grad assistant for 21 sports teams. I not only saw it, there were underlying themes I was seeing from my day of being an athlete to managing athletes in high school to mm. managing them college and pro and coming back. I'm like, some of this stuff is not changing. And it's not because they're not changing because you know better, you know, and you and I've talked about it. It's not mm -hmm. changing because you don't have the information. Right. You know, I've watched so many athletes get to a point, whether it's by choice or not. And even when I say by choice, you get to your senior year, your last game, and you know, you're not going pro and you're done. Your career is over trying to then have to identify what they're going to do next. Cause they've spent 24 years, 20 years of their life living and breathing their sport. Exactly. So how how do you transition? And mm -hmm. that's one thing that when I started my business, Achieving Success LLC, I really focused on helping others do achieve mm -hmm. your goals. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of my college, you know, athletes I get, whether college or transitioning out of pro life, that division of my coaching consulting is really helping. Like I have a special division just for athletes because I understand there is that transition period and you should not be calm a number in that transition period. And people aren't talking to you about the transition period. There's a lot of skills that are transferable that because we all do it, we get wrapped up in our emotions, in the unknown, in the fear, the anxiety, everything that we can't see. There are transferable skills. There is a next step. Um, and so when I started my business, it was really overall helping people identified how they viewed success, how they might want to move and listen, I'm the one talking to you going, I've been there. I've done it. Um, I don't, I beat by my own drum. So if I could do it, you could do it. Um, I don't go by what it's the norm in the podcasting world. I don't go by what's the norm in pricing structure with clients or things like that. So I'm like, listen, you, as long as you can live with it, that's all that matters. But let me help you make it so you can be as successful as you can and understand these processes as you transition out. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I think that that was the main th reason why I definitely wanted you on the show because like you can tell more and more athletes that you can get help after basketball. Yes, 
I struggled, me, myself, very much, you know, to the point where I was probably a borderline alcoholic, maybe not a borderline, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I was the guy working a job where I would have a couple before work, a couple at lunch, a couple after, you know, and try to hide it, you know. And my mom, you know, she never said anything to anybody, but she knew. Mm-hmm. She just like, you know, one day she just kind of sat me down like, you, you have a son, man. What are you going to do? You know, what what are you going to do? And just kind of like, kind of woke me up, you know, in a way, you know. So mm-hmm. I finally got a different job that led to a different job, you know what I'm saying, like to, to where I'm at now. But like, yeah, I think what you're doing with that, you know, achieving success is just like, we need that so bad, you know. And I, and I think, and I think that's the thing. We all have goals and aspirations. And I've talked to so many athletes. You know, I was just in Dallas um, in August and I, I had Uber drivers because mm-hmm. um, I didn't rent a car, but one of the Uber drivers played football in college and he got his degree because, you know, if you go to college, you got to get your degree if you're an athlete. Um Gotta get it. So he got it, but it wasn't anything he was passionate about. He was passionate about football. And he he was just getting this degree because it was, you know, you obviously gotta get a degree. So he was just getting it to get it and he got done playing. And he was saying to me in this car ride, you know, I got my degree, and but I'm in such a rut right now because I'm a few years out of college. Mm-hmm. I, I'm currently doing an internship in real estate because what I got my degree in, I left and I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, football's over. That was my real passion. None of those skills, like he was saying, he's like, none of those skills transferred over. So yeah. like, I am sitting in this, in, you know, I got in a job and I'm sitting there so unhappy going, I just want to be back in college playing football. Um, I what how can I have that passion for something else being like nothing I did in my football career transfers to what I'm doing now and that was his mindset so then he left and he was trying to figure it all out and in that car ride we had a discussion where just because you leave playing your sport doesn't make mean you can't like it's finding the skill sets that are transferable but also sometimes it's you're really just passionate about your sport. So what's another way you can stay in contact with your sport? And also, let's have the conversation about why you think nothing you've done for the last 20 years is transferable into any other part of your life. And I sat there and in this Uber ride, I'm going, well, you played um, in college and I don't want to name the school because I don't want to say any of this stuff, but I said, well, didn't you have to time manage practice with classroom? And he goes, yeah. And I said, so, you know, on your resume and cover letter, time management. Boom. That's one of that's one. And he's that- like, I didn't think about that. I said, and let's say you, you and your teamy or your team is losing a football game. During the football game, how do you react to that? Like, are you, are you guys, you know, are you the player that is sitting there cursing everyone out for doing a bad or, 
Are you a leader of the team? Like, how did you handle that? And he's telling me, and I go, Leadership skills, yeah. Conflict resolution. You were de-escalating the <laughs> <Yeah>. conflict. <laughs> and he's like, hmm. And I'm like, so you have had many years of, you know, multitasking, time management, conflict resolution, um, being able to handle, again, I'll throw this one out there for people to think about. You're in a team environment. Not everyone's going to, especially as you get to college or pro, you you come from all walks of life, mm-hmm. right? All different experiences. So how do you handle, you know, teamwork? Right. Because you're working as a team. Yeah, you have to play individually in anything you do. You have your own stats. But how do you communicate as a team? How do you work as a team? You have to have those skill sets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so team manage teamwork emotional intelligence you gotta know body language this and that so i'm like there's all these things we all because we don't talk about it yes you don't think about it and then when you get into a point where you transition out you're going i'm useless no that's not true everyone has a value everyone has a voice um and you know, that's why I also got into podcasting is to give everyone the platform to tell their stories and to tell their experiences and really have other people connect to it and learn. But it's like, just, we all go through those dark times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's not one single person I know in this world that isn't battling some demon at some point, Agreed. but we got to work through that and you have to achieve your success goals through that so how do we work through that how can we pivot the chain of thought to then see things in a different perspective that actually makes a lot of sense wow wow in a word wow you know what i'm saying i think that uh i think a lot i think my listeners and anybody who's listening to this learned a lot today i i'm amazed like i said i'm you know, I can listen to this all day, but I know we got to end this podcast <laughs> after a certain amount of time. Um, but please uh, tell the people where they can find Achieving Success and also tell the people where they can find your podcast so they can listen to all the knowledge that you're giving right now. So you can go to my website, achieving-success.com. You can email me at olivia.akin at achieving-success.com. I do personally answer every single email. Um, You can also, all the company accounts, if you search Achieving Success on any platform, we have presence on all social medias, as well as you can search me on LinkedIn and just reach out to me, Olivia Atkin. And then you can find my podcast, Achieving Success with Olivia Atkin, on all platforms, as well as YouTube, as long as you search Achieving Success with Olivia Atkin. Okay. Well, no, because uh, if, if you're looking, you can look on my page. I think we're friends. I think she hasn't big time yeah. yet. I think, well, I think we're friends. You know, We Olivia, are. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Olivia is a, you know, a good person. And so she didn't big time me, even though she is, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like I said, I, I appreciate you, Olivia, greatly for coming on the show. Um, we got to do this again, you know, um and so we can just go maybe deeper into uh your achieving success and you know uh you know like deeper into that for more athletes and kind of like you know possibly get more people to decide to reach out to you like i said 
I think I would have I would have joined you, you know, if I was just coming out and trying to figure out what the heck is next for me. Um, because I had to struggle big time, you know, trying to figure out what it was next. So, well, like I said, thank y'all for listening. Uh, you can follow me at Travis W. Reed. That's R-E-E-D, Travis W. on Instagram and Facebook. I post all my social media on both sites. I got the An Athlete's Journey official page on Facebook on the little business page. So that will be, you know, officially where you find my stuff on Athlete's Journey. Um, and like I said, like I'm on LinkedIn as well, like what Olivia was talking about. Um, if you're looking for that too, you know, I'm on LinkedIn too. And for people, I know people have been asking, uh, the I'm, I'm wearing the Travis Reed Athlete's Journey merch. Uh, feel free to DM or message me. And like I said, I will get back to you, send you your, you know, send you your merch. I got different colors. I got different sayings. This is the main saying, obviously, in Athlete's Journey, but I got other shirts as well, uh, you know, for that Travis Reed merch. So we will talk to y'all later. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.